Amen. Let me pray. Well, Heavenly Father, uh, we want to just worship you and praise you in these moments together. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. And now we pray in these moments as we gather around your precious word, Lord, that we will see you, Jesus, more clearly, that we will hear you, Spirit of God, speaking to us, touching our hearts, we pray in these moments. May nothing hinder Lord, the work you want to do in our hearts now, overcome all obstacles, barriers, distractions, Lord, we pray that we might hear from you, the living God. This is our prayer this morning, and so just speak, we pray power of Jesus' name, the authority of Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want to add my welcome. It's so great to have you sharing with us today. For those joining us online as well, so great to have you linking in wherever you're linking in from. And today is special to be sharing on Pentecost Sunday as we give thanks for the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And today as we lead into our 21 days of prayer for revival starting next Sunday, We're going to launch into a series called Awakening over the next few weeks where we're going to be looking at what is revival. Uh, If we're going to spend 21 days praying for revival, joining with churches right across our state to do this, I thought it'd be good for us to look at, well, what is revival? What is it that we're praying for? Why should we pray for it? Are there any other things that would be more important for us to devote our time to rather than praying for revival? Why is this so significant? And so to do this over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the revivals that are recorded in the Bible. And there are quite a lot of them, in fact. We won't get to all of them by any means, but as we look at these, we want God just to speak to us, to show us the importance of us praying for this and how significant it is in the history of his church, going right back to the day of Pentecost. Revivals across the history of the church have been often described as awakenings. That is the word that people have used to describe it. One of the most famous was the great awakening that swept the UK and the American colonies at the time in the 17 and 1800s. And in February 1739, a parish priest in Bath and Bristol refused to allow George Whitfield to preach in their churches on the grounds that they saw him as a religious enthusiast. That was the title that was given to him. In response, he began open-air preaching, which had never been done before. Uh, You you didn't do that in that time. If you were going to preach, it always had to be in a church. And not only that, he preached in in another priest's parish without permission. Another big no-no. He weren't meant to do that at the time. But within a week... He was preaching to crowds of 10,000 people within one week, preaching outdoors. By March, Whitfield had moved on to preach elsewhere, and by May, he was preaching in London to crowds of 50,000 people. How amazing is that? No sound system, no amplification. He had a big voice, apparently, Whitfield, 50,000. As I read that, did you know that Suncourt Stadium's capacity is 50,000 people? Do it again, Lord Jesus. We've got, we could do that, I reckon, in Suncorp Stadium there. But this is what taken, takes place in revival, it's, and it's described as a spiritual awakening. Now, I'm a pretty good sleeper. In fact, I'm a very heavy sleeper. Over the years, my kids have learned, they got onto this pretty quickly, in fact, that if they come into our room at night because of a storm or a bad dream or something like that, they learned quickly not to come to dad because dad doesn't wake up when you try and shake him. Um, They learned very quickly, don't even bother coming to me anymore because they know it's no point, I won't wake up. 
Uh, at one stage, I actually slept through a house alarm. Uh, it's true. It was, I'm not just talking five-minute house alarm. I'm talking alarm went on for you know, over half an hour. They couldn't switch it off and woke up the next morning thinking, what a great sleep. Everyone's looking at me. Did you not hear the alarm last night? Slept like a baby straight through that alarm. No worries at all. To wake up in the morning, I'm such a heavy sleeper that I have to set my alarm like 45 minutes, an hour before I have to get up. I just set the alarm and I just keep snoozing it, snoozing it. You can imagine how much my wife loves this when I do this in the morning. Just keep snoozing every 10 minutes until finally I'm awake enough to get up. Uh, In fact, I have been known to set multiple alarms. I've actually got a photo of my iPhone. I often will set multiple alarms. This is true, just to make sure that I wake up in time for something important. I am a heavy sleeper. You know, the Bible speaks about the fact that spiritually there are times that we need to wake up from our spiritual slumber. Recently in my encounter with God readings, we've been going through Romans, just a daily reading that I do. And just the other week I read Romans chapter 13. And as I read this, the Spirit of God just impressed this on my heart. And I just want to read it to you this morning. This is what it says in Romans 13. It says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. As I read this passage, the Spirit of God was just impressing on me, Nathan, it's time to wake up. It's time for my people to wake up from the spiritual slumber, for, my, for the community, for, for our city to wake up, for our nation to wake up from the spiritual slumber in which we have found ourselves. As I read this, my mind then was taken to, this, to the, the story of the 10 virgins in, in Matthew 25, very similar. Let me read it to you. It says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And some of them were not ready. In verse 11, it says, Later the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. And how easily we can become drowsy and fall asleep. Spiritually speaking, how easily we can fall into a slumber. And God was saying that, impressing that on my heart. And for us, as his people, we are all prone. I want to tell you, no matter how long you've been on the journey of faith, we are all prone to a spiritual slumber, to an apathy. And my concern is that for some of us, we may be asleep spiritually and we don't even realize that we are asleep. There is a dryness, a deadness, a complacency, an apathy when it comes to spiritual things in our walk with Jesus. And the scriptures are very clear that this is a dangerous place to be. To be in a place of spiritual slumber is is a very dangerous, precarious 
place to be in. And this spiritual slumber can be true of individuals. It can be true of churches. It can be true of communities and denominations and cities and even whole nations can fall into this. There can come this spiritual slumber and deadness and apathy that falls across people and communities. And this can be for a number of reasons. It can be because because of the distractions of the world in which we live. It can be because of undealt with sin and unforgiveness. It can be because of hurts and pains that we experience across the journey of life. It can be because of the comfort with which we live in this culture and our seeming lack of need for daily dependence on God. It can be because of doubts and questions that we might be working through. It can be from just being too busy. But whatever it is, God is giving us a wake up call this morning. He is saying to me, He is saying to us, wake up, wake up. The alarms are sounding. And maybe you've been hitting the snooze button on that wake up alarm. Maybe you just kept hitting it. Maybe the Spirit of God has been trying to impress this on you, but you just keep hitting that snooze button. Or maybe you're in such a heavy sleep, you have not even heard the alarm going off. Well, I want to tell you this morning, church, that the alarm is sounding. And it's time to wake up. That is why praying for revival is so important, both for our own lives, but also for our community and city. We need an awakening because unless there is an awakening, there are thousands and thousands of people that are heading towards a Christless eternity without knowing this truth, without a move of the Spirit of God. Our community, our city desperately needs an awakening. It is the only hope. Recently, Jason Ellsmore, the director of the Queensland Baptist Movement, speaking into this, was sharing some of the wake-up alarms in our culture. And I've put some of them up on the iPhone alarm screen as well. Here's some of them. Domestic violence, suicide rates, family breakdown, loneliness, which is a pandemic, loneliness pandemic, moral decay, youth mental health, the decline of the church. There's so many more. Abortion, the denial of truth, On and on the list could go these alarms that are sounding for us as believers, for us as his church. There is no doubt that God is sounding the alarm. We need an awakening. We need to pray for revival. And so this morning on this Pentecost Sunday, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2 which describes the day of the the coming of the Holy Spirit, the most important revival recorded in Scripture for all all time, in fact, the greatest revival, the most important revival. So I want to read some of this to you. And as I read it, I just want you to ask the Spirit of God just to speak to you this morning. This is what it says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language, heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? 
And then verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, sharing the good news of the message of salvation in Jesus. In verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is God's word to us today. And Lord, do it again. That's our prayer. And so today I want to point out some of the characteristics of revival that we see here to, to stir faith within us this morning. And the first is this, in, in a revival there is a renewed awareness of the presence of God and of spiritual things. In many ways, Pentecost was unique and unrepeatable because it was the coming of the promised Holy Spirit. It was a new era in salvation history. All the men and women of faith in the Old Testament, they looked forward to this day um, when, when God's presence would come and dwell within them by His Holy Spirit. They, they longed for this. It was unthinkable to them that the holy, a holy God would come and dwell within His people. This was, this was something they prayed for and longed for. And so Pentecost was unique. It was a very special, unrepeatable time. And yet, in the same way, every revival has this same characteristic, a renewed awareness of the presence of God and of spiritual things. We know that as believers that God is always with us. His presence is always with us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. But revival is when there is a heightened awareness of the presence of God in our midst. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book on revival says this, he says, in revival, people immediately become aware of the presence and power and his power in a manner that they have never known before. He says, I'm talking about Christian people, about church members gathered together as they have done so many times before and suddenly they are aware of his presence. They are aware of the majesty and the awe of God. That, he says, is the essence of revival. And the immediate effect is that people present begin to have an awareness of spiritual things. Spiritual things become realities, he says. They have heard all these things before. They may have heard them a thousand times and indeed many thousand times. But what they testify to is this. They say, you know, the whole thing suddenly became clear to me. I was suddenly illuminated. Things that I was so familiar with stood out in letters of gold as it were. I understood I saw it all in a way that I had never done in the whole of my life. This is what takes place in revival. Last Sunday night, as Mel Downs was sharing with us at the 6 p.m. service, she was sharing about the reality of what we do in the physical realm actually has an impact in the spiritual realm, something that she's very familiar with serving in Malawi. And she was saying that this is not just true for Malawi, but it's true here in Australia as well. And as she shared during the service, there was this powerful awareness 
of the presence of God with us, moving in our midst. In fact, it was so much so, it wasn't just for the people in the room, people watching online were being impacted as well in the same way, sensing God's presence. This is one of the messages that came through. Um, Melissa wrote this, she said, amazing message from God. Thank you. I had a physical reaction while listening to this, driving to Scotland and ended up in a flood of tears and such a filling of the spirit. I felt it was important to share it with my Malawian-born friend here in Scotland and absolute, it absolutely resonated with her and was spot on. And then she includes a message from Judy, her Malawian friend. Challenged me as living in the United Kingdom has made me soft. I had forgotten that power and good to be reminded with my current battles. How incredible is that? The presence of God moving. At the end, people just didn't want to go home. They just wanted to be in the presence of God, worshiping. After service, our tech team prayed for an hour afterwards because I was so aware of God's presence moving in our midst. That is a touch of revival. This awareness, a heightened awareness of the presence of God. A second characteristic of revival is a renewed awareness of the power of God. Here in Acts 2, there are these three supernatural phenomena that are happening. And the people actually ask, what is this? What does this mean? And there is the three, the three phenomena are firstly the loud noise like a wind. And then the tongues of, what seem like tongues of fire coming to rest on people and the speech in other languages. And each of these phenomena have a significance, have a, a meaning. And if we allow other parts of Scripture to inform and guide our interpretation, we see that this loud noise like a wind represents the power of God coming. And when revival comes, there is this heightened awareness of the power of God at work. Again, listen to what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. He says, now surely this is the crying need of the hour. We are aware of the position of the vast majority of the people of this country. Church attendance constitutes but 5% of the population. And though we may preach and fast and sweat and pray and do all we can, all our efforts seem to lead to nothing. What is needed is some mighty demonstration of the power of God. Some enactment of the Almighty that will compel people to pay attention and to look and to listen. And he says the history of all revivals of the past indicates so clearly that this is invariably the effect of revival without any exception at all. That is why he says, I'm calling attention to revival. That is why I'm urging you to pray for this. When God acts, he can do more in a minute than man with his organizing can do in 50 years. And so he says, let us realize this tremendous possibility Therefore, and plead to God to make known his power. That is why, church, we're going to pray for 21 days for revival. We need to know his power at work among us. Recently, I personally had a renewed revelation of the power of God at work. A renewed revelation of the authority and the power of Jesus' name. I was in a situation with someone where they were experiencing significant spiritual oppression and I witnessed firsthand as we prayed for this person the power and the authority of Jesus' name over all the powers of darkness and the power of Jesus to set this person free. And I want to tell you, when I saw it up close and personal like that, I had one response and that was just to worship Jesus. 
to say, thank you, Jesus. You are amazing, Jesus. You are wonderful, Jesus. All authority and power belongs to you, Jesus. And I haven't stopped praising Jesus since. I wanna tell you that. To see, and, and, and the reality is I knew this truth already. I would have told you this same truth. It was a familiar truth to me, but I saw it in a new and a fresh way. God's power at work in a new and a fresh way and it awakened me, it renewed me. This is what happens in revival. This awakening that takes place, this heightened awareness of the power of God at work. Another characteristic of revival that we see here is this heightened awareness of the purity of God. The second supernatural phenomenon on the day of Pentecost were these tongues of fire. And again, if we let Scripture inform this, what it meant, what it means, the tongues of fire represent purity, the purifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah experiences the presence of God, his first response is to cry out, Woe is me, a man of unclean lips in the presence of a holy God. And the angel comes and takes the hot coal and touches his lips to purify him. It's the same picture here on the day of Pentecost. And in revival, there is this heightened awareness of the holiness of God and our desperate need of the purifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. People come under the deep, deep conviction of sin. Following Peter's sermon here on the day of Pentecost, we see it taking place. It says that when people heard this, they were cut to the heart, is what it says. Cut to the heart as they heard it. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This deep conviction of sin that fell upon them. Recently, I've been reading the book Sounds from Heaven, which is a collective of some of the first-hand accounts of revival, a revival that took place on the Isle of Lewis in the, in the Hebrides in the 1940s and 50s. Not all that long ago, really. And one of the accounts is from a lady called Sandy Moore who saw it firsthand. She writes this. She said, as we came from a meeting, we came across young men and women on the road weeping and praying that the Lord would have mercy on them. And again, we went on a little further and we heard singing and then further along the road, another group were crying and asking the Lord to have mercy on them. What a wonderful night that was, she said. And then Jack MacArthur also saw it firsthand. He recalls how his brother had been the master of ceremonies at a local dance when the minister, Reverend McLennan, walked in at 3 a.m. following one of the meetings that had been going on all night. He walked in, he just shared a few words and a psalm and then he left and the Spirit of God moved upon that dance. He says, my brother, who had been so angry that this minister would come in, couldn't be found anywhere, but was ultimately found in the back of the bus that had brought them to the dance, broken before God. Revival, he said, had broken into our community. This is what happens in revival. There is this deep conviction of our sin and a desperate need we have for God's grace and forgiveness and the purifying work of the Holy Spirit. In the Great Awakening, it was the same story of George Whitfield who went into the Colliers district among the miners. Everyone was too scared to go into this district, but he went to preach the good news of, of Jesus' life and hope in him. And it said that Whitfield never faced a threatening word or gesture among them when he went in. On the contrary, they seemed to have held him in true affection. And a description that has become a classic, he reported the effects of his work among them, saying, having no righteousness of their own to renounce, they were glad to hear of a Jesus who as a friend of publicans and sinners who came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. 
The first discovery of their being affected was to see the white gutters made by the tears which plentifully fell down their black cheeks as they came out of their coal pits. Hundreds and hundreds of them were soon brought under deep convictions, which, as the event proved, happily ended in sound and thorough conversion. This is what happens in revival, in awakening. There is this renewed, heightened awareness of the holiness of God and our need for his purifying work in our lives. And here's the final characteristic I want to mention this morning that we see here, and that is that there is a renewed revelation and understanding of the grace of God. The third supernatural phenomenon on this day was the speech in other languages, and these people that were gathering from all parts of the, the, world, the known world, all these nations were gathering for the feasts of, of harvest, but they could understand this gospel message in their own language. And what God was making clear here is that this good news message of Jesus, salvation in Jesus alone, wasn't just for some people, wasn't just for some special select group of people, that this was for everyone that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. That no matter what people's journey or background or culture or story has been, they can come and experience this themselves. That every person can come and experience the grace of God. And God was making it clear on the day of Pentecost that not one person is beyond the reach of God's saving power and God's saving grace in Jesus. This is for everyone, for the whole world. And to highlight this further, of all the people God chooses to bring the, the message on this day of Pentecost, probably the greatest sermon ever preached, he chooses of all people, the first sermon of, the whole, of his church, he chooses the apostle Peter. Talk about an act of God's grace because just 50 days earlier, Peter had committed the greatest denial of Christ in history. And yet God chooses Peter. Because he wanted to reveal, he wanted to highlight through Peter the, the, the gift of his grace. The inauguration of the coming of the Spirit was the ushering in of a new era, no longer under the law, but now it was the Spirit of God and God's grace that we were under. And one of the characteristics of revival is this renewed revelation, this renewed understanding of the love and the grace of God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says the following. He says, take for instance the history of Protestant Reformation. It was only after Martin Luther had suddenly seen the grand truth of justification, of faith alone, that the Protestant revival came. It was getting back to that truth in the epistles to the Galatians and the Romans that prepared the way for the outpouring of the Spirit, that salvation was in Christ alone, only through Jesus it was the same, he says, in the 17th century. It was the emphasis on these truths that led to the great blessing that was experienced in the Puritan era. And then everybody surely must know, he says, what, was that, what happened in the 18th century. Whitfield, the Wesleys, and others like them appeared. Yet how did revival come to these men? Well, the story is well known. John Wesley, his experience at Aldersgate Street, where his heart was strangely warmed by the Holy Spirit and his eyes were opened to the truth of justification by faith alone, through Christ alone. And this is not only true, he says, of, of Wesley, but the same thing had already happened to Whitfield, if you know the story, that he'd had the same experience. And certainly if you turn to Wales, you find precisely the same thing. At that time, the greatest preacher there was a man called Daniel Rowland. Now his story was exactly like the others, 
He was a curate, he was a preacher, but his ministry was useless and dead and nothing happened. Then one day he went in and listened to a preacher called Griffith Jones and he was convinced and convicted of the truth of justification by faith alone, through Christ alone. And it was only a few months after seeing that truth and realizing it that suddenly one day he was taking communion service and the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him and a great revival broke out in Wales in the 18th century. You see, one of the marks of revival is this renewed revelation and awareness of the love and the grace of God. That is by faith alone that we can't do it, but we come to Jesus and he is the way, the truth and the life. He is the only way to the Father and we come through him. And that not one person is beyond his saving grace. That this message is for everyone. So these are some of the marks of an awakening, a renewed heightened awareness of the presence of God and a, a revelation, a fresh revelation of the power of God, the authority of Jesus' name, an awareness of the purity of God, our need for his purifying work in our lives and a renewed understanding and revelation of the grace of God. And as we finish today, this word that God is giving to us, that it is time to wake up, this awakening that he is calling us to, the alarms are sounding. I wanna share with you a story, a personal testimony of a couple in our church who've experienced this in their own life just recently. They've experienced this personal renewal and awakening and that has impacted them deeply. And, and I believe God is using their story to stir something within us as a church, that this is God's heart that we would awaken from our spiritual slumber and that we would hunger and desire for the things of God. And so let's turn to the screens as we watch their story. Is my team awake? Well, we'd been to Bridgie for, I don't know, since 2000 and... Since it was at Albany Creek High School. Yeah, it's like, so the boys were, you know, fairly young back then when we were going to church and loved Bridgman, loved going to church and all the people and everything. And then just things happened in my life that, for me, that affected my faith. And I had a lot of past hurts come from that. Just an experience, you know, to do with like church and to do with, um, I guess, just being, feeling hurt by, you know, like Christians and like blaming God, I guess, for that hurt. And just, it was just easy to drift away. It was easy to like, nah, I don't really need to go to church. The more we weren't attending church, the easier it was not to attend church. And it sort of, um, we put it in the back of our minds, I guess. and. And, and didn't give it much thought after a couple of years. Like you try and think, how's God gonna get me back to church? You don't know what's gonna happen and you think it's gonna have to be something pretty strong because I was pretty, we were pretty adamant. We didn't need church, we didn't need to go back to church. Even those, you know, people over the years of when we didn't go would still send us messages telling us they were praying for us and things like that. And you were just like, oh, that's nice, you know. That's nice, good on you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Life took an incredible turn 
We um, had been down at Warwick having a track day on our motorbikes. We were there for three nights. It was the last night um, that we had there that we got a phone call from our youngest son um, who was distraught, beyond distraught. And we weren't sure what was going on. He couldn't really explain what was going on to us. It was very, he was just telling us, please pray. Mum, Dad, please pray now. Pray for us, pray for my wife, his wife. We headed home the next day and um, what we experienced, uh, we thought, if, it, it's hard to describe, but if I hadn't seen it, I probably wouldn't have believed it. We, and like it was, we witnessed like a spiritual battle. Like we witnessed so much demonic forces that it just was terror. It was frightening. It was just frightening. Was frightening. And you can do nothing but fall to the ground and on your knees and, and just pray. Um, mm. I prayed for forgiveness. I prayed for healing for our family. I prayed uh, that Jesus would make me the, the spiritual leader that my family needs. But, you know, mm. we had a battle on our hands and the first thing we thought of is we need help from the body. We need help from the body of Christ because we couldn't do it on our own. We had no idea what to do. And when Fernando and Nathan came back later that day, um, we witnessed the almighty power of the name of Jesus like you have never witnessed it in your life. Like just the authority in the name of Jesus over this, these demonic forces that had taken over our daughter in law. Experiencing what we were seeing what we you know, experienced, it, uh, it just drove home how real this was and how um, we need to be a part of God's family. At first we were just so fearful, but looking back in hindsight now, like I feel it's hard to say still, but I also feel blessed that we were able to witness this and to see God's hand. And his hand in the, the weeks after, we just were so prompted to go straight back to church that Sunday after. Uh, it felt like we were back home, back where we were meant to be, and it was, it was good. It actually felt like we never left. And so many people said to us, we've missed you, like we've missed you guys. And just treated us so beautifully. And like, I just feel like that healing's come now. It was the thing stopping us. Our pride, you know, not to be able to forgive and not to be able to ask forgiveness of others. Just the complete opposite of how we were. But we also have a sense that there's so many people out there that are our non-Christian friends that we've had all this other time with that we also don't want to lose them. Like we, we, we feel like we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we keep those friendships as well. And then trying to like see what God's going to do there, how God's going to help us be a good witness there. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe and who haven't seen. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we've come back because what we've seen some pretty horrific stuff. But uh, I guess blessed are those who believe and who haven't seen. Jesus is amazing, church. I want to tell you that here. Yeah? He's amazing. I wanted to tell you, church, that the Spirit of God is moving, that He is awakening us.
as his people. I read to you again Romans chapter 13. It says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on, put on this morning the armour of light. As we close this morning on this Pentecost Sunday, we have an opportunity to respond to God's Word. Just like Mel said last Sunday, what we do in the physical actually is significant in the spiritual realm. And so there's an opportunity for us to respond physically this morning, but I don't want you to underestimate the significance of that response spiritually as you step and respond to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. And this morning, we're going to have our pastors and our prayer team down here, and they would love just to anoint you with oil on this Pentecost Sunday and ask the Spirit of God just to fill you and to anoint you afresh this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would experience a renewed awakening in your own heart. Maybe as you come this morning, there is a sense there are some things you want to put right with God. Do that this morning. Let nothing hinder the, way, the work of God in your life. And maybe this morning you're just hearing that call. God saying, it's time to wake up from your slumber. And we all need this no matter how long. In fact, the longer we do the journey of, life, of, of faith in Jesus, we, we're just in much of need of this. A wake up call in our lives. We can so easily fall into that slumber. And the Spirit of God is saying to us this morning, wake up, wake up. Now is the time. Now is the time. And so I want to invite you in these moments. I'm just going to pray just to ask the Spirit of God to work in your heart as we have an opportunity to respond this morning. Let me pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit on that first Pentecost, Lord. Amazing. Amazing, precious gift, your very presence with us, dwelling within us, great God. You are holy God. We don't ever want to take that for granted, great God, but we ask now in these moments that you will stir in our hearts, great God, that you will awaken us. Lord, that anything that might be hindering that, Lord, that you would help us this morning just to, just to Get that out of the way, Lord, to deal with that, to face that, so that you can come and wake us up, Lord. And not just for us individually, for us corporately, for our community, for the sake of our community and our city and our nation and our world, Lord, how we desperately need an awakening. It is only through you, Lord Jesus. We're asking, Lord, for a demonstration, a fresh demonstration of your power, of your presence, great God, a fresh awareness and conviction of our need for you, Lord, our conviction of sin over our lives, Lord, and a fresh revelation of your incredible grace and love towards us and a revelation of the authority and the power of the name of Jesus, yours, the name above every other name. That is our prayer, that you would be exalted, Lord Jesus in our church, in our community, in our city, our nation, our world. And so come now, move in our hearts and our lives, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we sing this song, which speaks about our desire to know and awaken our own heart. I want to encourage you just to come forward. You'll be anointed. The team will just simply pray for you. Ask God just for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, a fresh awakening in your heart. But don't hold back. The same for you on the mezzanine level up there. If God's speaking this morning, don't let distance stop you from coming down. If you're online, just click on that prayer button and we'd love to pray for you too, that you too would know that fresh anointing 
the Spirit, the awakening of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's sing together and respond. You feel free to come this morning. Yes. 
Those who want to come to be prayed for this morning, and I feel it's right that we just sing another song of worship, just exalting our Lord Jesus here in this place, declaring that He is the name above every other name. But the name of Jesus, the darkness flees, it does. And so, we're going to sing one more. If you need to go and pick up kids, or you've got other things you need to get to, you feel very free just to leave in this song. But if you haven't been prayed for yet, I just want to invite you to come. The team would just love to pray for this one. Don't leave without asking the Spirit of God, just to anoint you afresh this morning. Let's continue to worship, exalt the name of Jesus now.
out our praise this morning to you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, may you reign afresh in our hearts again, God. We lift up our worship to you. Let's sing this together day and night. Oh, day and night, night and day, let it center us. blessing. Oh, Lord God, we thank You. You're so good. We just want to let You know this morning how much we love You. We thank You for the blessings that are ours in You, Lord. And I pray You continue to stir within us a deeper hunger and desire to know more of You in our lives. Bless each one, Lord, I pray. We ask this in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. If you haven't yet been prayed for, I really want to encourage us to keep coming down. Our team would love to pray for you this morning. Special blessing to those watching online as well. Make sure you email through to prayer at bridgman.org.au. We'd love to pray for you as well, connect with you as well. But God bless you. Look forward to sharing together again soon.